Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a prompt from longtime listener and patron, Kaiser. But before we get into that, would you kindly please go ahead and submit any prompts that you have over to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter, at Let's World Build. And if you want to come and join our Discord and chat with us more directly, would you kindly follow those instructions over to Discord for us? And finally, if you're feeling particularly generous, would you kindly please go to our Patreon and give us money there where you'll get access to all sorts of goodies like patron-only Discord, patron-only episodes, and sub-episodes, and stuff that just doesn't make it, and double the length of your prompts, like Kaiser is getting right now. And with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive right into the prompt. Hello, Kaiser here. So this is a bit of an odd prompt, but I want you to build a Bioshock-style world based in a city on the bottom of the sea. That's pretty much it. All tenants won't be too strict, but they're going to keep you in theme. Sure to go dark, very dark. Tenant number one, the world has to be a mixture of biopunk and decopunk. Number two, there has to be gene modification. And number three, the setting has to be based in the city on the bottom of the Atlantic. Cough, cough, rapture, cough. Because we all know Bioshock Infinite was shitty. Yes, Bioshock Infinite was one of the more disappointing follow-ups to a game in quite a while. And mm -hmm. thematically, lore, uh, setting, story-wise, pretty much all over the place. Had some good covers of songs, though. But yeah, it was, was pretty underwhelming, all things considered. And so... With those tenets out of the way, we can dive right into our prompts. So, Daniel, I've had this long-running feud with Courtney over the last couple of episodes about jumping over to you at the last second. I'm just going to skip all that rigmarole, and Daniel, you start us off with this episode. The streak continues. So, what is your first tenet, sir? So, I've all I've seen of Bioshock are, like you know, internet videos here and there. I don't really care for it, but but I do like it artistically. I think it's kind of neat. Um, I mean, it's based on one of your favorite authors of all time and Anne Rand. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't mind um, the couple of novels I read for her, but that's a different story. The prompt is, is <laughs> the city faced a terrible disaster that left its denizens few in number and transformed um, and life there is dangerous. Okay, so you haven't read or seen anything about Bioshock, correct? All I know is there's big robot guys, and it's like kind They're of... They're not robots, but okay. And Randian and design, and there's yeah, like... Yeah, in aesthetic, yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yes, that is essentially the plot to Bioshock that, you, <laughs> that you've expressed there. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Am I the only one who's played Bioshock, by the way? Yeah, I've seen some <laughs> some of it, but I haven't actually played it. Okay, so my my references in the beginning will be lost on you, and that's okay, I mm -hmm, suppose. Mm -hmm. If if you normally skip my little rigmarole in the beginning, go back and there's like just a little slight Easter egg about why I said it that way. Uh, no. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a reason that I deviated from my normal script, but it, it's it's actually very plot relevant and uh, important. But anyway, I mean, what else can we say about that, Daniel? Like, do you have any particular disaster in mind? Like, what are we thinking here? Uh, no, um, I just want I just felt like it gave a mood of there being something wrong with the city. And so I was mm-hmm. wondering what could be the cause of that. Okay. And originally I had written, um, and it's left its denizens very, very weird, but I wanted to be a little bit more specific by saying few in number and transformed. Okay. Let's, let's focus in on transformed. What do you mean by transformed? That I'm open to interpretation. Okay. I assume the transformed is part of what's made things dangerous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, damn it. How am I going to do this? I, I have two prompts and I'm trying to be good by not mixing them into one mega prompt or sorry, one mega tenant. But I, I suppose I'll just start so I can then eventually get to the because I have an idea of how we can reconcile this or to, to go in a direction. But I'm just going to start here. My first tenant is there are no normal animals in this city. There are only chimera, which are gene spliced versions of animals. And they are. um Yes, that's where I will stop because, again, I'm trying to not do a mega tenet. So that is where I'm going to start right there. So there are no animals left. There are only chimera. I think okay. that's totally in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mess up people and animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But specifically, there are no regular animals, though. I want to make sure that that's clear mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of aligns with what I was going to have be my second tenet. That basically all of their food sources are genetically modified because of mm, the, oh boy. the placement in the ocean. Like, I don't picture like a cow farm uh, at the bottom of the Atlantic. So, yes, I think they're going to have to resort to some pretty messed up looking creatures to harvest from. I mean, if you're at the bottom of the Atlantic, you're going to get all sorts of weirdo things, you know, like undersea life that you can farm or algae and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In in the original game, what was really interesting is like they have these audio logs about children who who are raised in Rapture, the city. Right. And the, the parents bring them to a park where there are actual trees and the child freaks out because they're like, what the fuck are those things? <laughs> because to them, like all they know is Rapture. All they know is this city that's underwater. And to see trees for the first time is like terrifying to them. So mm-hmm. it's a fun little bit. It's like one of those like little tiny bits of world building that are just really fun. You know, I get an image of people like eating really grotesque chimeras as a result. So it's like, yeah. you know, some kind of bug cat they grab and bite into, you know, because <laughs> they're pretty fucking weird. OK, you say bug cat, but like cat bug literally exists and is adorable. So. I don't know what to tell you, Daniel. I don't know what that is. Oh, man. Well, you're, you're about to know. Courtney and I are furiously finding pictures of Catbug, like, right now. It is pretty cute. I've never actually watched that show, though. You've never seen that show? Catbug's adorable. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I'm also down with the idea of just, like, horrible, monstrous things that you need to eat. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it makes me think of um, Oryx and Creek by Margaret Atwood. It's like a sort of near future dystopia type setting. And there are a lot of weird genetically modified animals that are used for food because they're more efficient for that than like a regular animal. Like I think one of them is called like chicky nubs and it's basically this oh, no. uh, oh, wow. really horrific, just mass of chicken flesh 
There are also pigoons, which are giant pigs, basically. But there are there also baboons. I forget what the combo is there. Because oon suggests baboon. Yeah, I forget what mm. those are. That's lovely. Also, Daniel, I did drop catbug in the Discord chat. If you want to look at that really quick. <laughs> It really looks like a cat. It looks like a slug with a face. And no, it's a, cat, it's, it's a ladybug and a cat. It's super adorable. Ugh. It's great. <laughs> uh, so pigoons are uh, pigs bred to grow human tissue organs. So they were harvested for that reason, not for food. I mean, oh, that's, that's not too far off from what we have in modern science anyway. Like we use pig skin for human skin grafting and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. And like we test pig skin for like when we want to use human testing. So that's not too terribly off, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And also, speaking of not too far off, the uh, the giant mound of chicken flesh isn't too far off from what we actually have now anyway. Yeah, so. this was more <laughs> like they were no longer recognizable as chickens, <laughs> as anything remotely chicken-like, I will say. I mean, I mean, like, uh, again, that's not too far off from like how McDonald's practices their own like chicken production. So, okay, maybe it's like the definition or maybe the description is like, oh, no, it's even worse than that. Yeah, I'll I'll just read off the uh, description here. A large bulb like object that seems to be covered with stippled whitish yellow skin. Out of it came 20 thick fleshy tubes. And at the end of each tube, another bulb was growing. Those are chickens, chicken parts, just the rests on this one. Oh, that's sick. It's lovely. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know, to be honest, though, to be Daniel, honest. Daniel, Daniel, no. <laughs> Daniel. I mean, which, which, it is grotesque, right? But which would be, which would be better? Growing an animal with sentience and mass and harvesting them and making them suffer as we do. Or growing something that's not sentient, but that's just like, a piece of quivering flesh that then we consume, like which is worse. Well, I mean, there, that's really. not even an animal at that point. Like sentience or like right. intelligence is like kind of the the important thing. So I mean, suppose we're exactly. getting there. Right? We're yeah. getting towards lab grown food. Yeah. Generally. I mean, I don't know if that's what's happening in in the book you're talking yeah. about, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they ever went into if those things have any level of intelligence or if they're mm-hmm. just meat slabs or mm. what. I mean. <laughs> Aren't we all just meat slabs at the end yeah. of the day, Courtney? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let's speaking of. So, is that your tenant that you want, like chicky knobs in your in in our setting here, Courtney? Or yeah, that was pretty much. Um, that was it. So, should I like? <laughs> should I like loop back to what would be my first tenant? I mean, well, you're gonna have to come up with a new second tenant if you do. Uh, wait, why? What do you mean? Because because if there's so much overlap, we have to have some kind of like some kind of differentiation between us. I mean, you were talking about chimeras, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was more referencing like things that are not really recognizable as animal like anymore. Like they're they're so warped that they've. Are you trying to are you trying to get out of this by just being like, well, no, I'm I'm explaining (laughs) what my tenet is. Um. Because like I could see like the chimera-ish things being more like um, pets Actual or like luxury animals. items, okay. and then the what I've got the like flesh mounds are what well we eat. Okay, all right, Courtney. Like, yes, okay. I I hear what you're saying. Here here's where I take issue with that because my second tenant, which also has to do with the animals, 
is, and I'm sorry, Daniel, I'm skipping you for this one for the time being anyway. I wanted it so the entirety of our technology is based on biomechanics. So it's like any tool that you make is literally like bone and sinew from one of these chimera beasts. So they're they're bred to be machines, essentially. And I think that all of this works together. But like, I think that all of our tenants, Courtney, so far, are like pretty close together. They're, they're mm-hmm. clustered up. But I'm cool with that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. But the one thing I did want to emphasize, like, I think that they've realized that through genetic splicing, because that's one of the tenets that I was interested in, is that they can breed these monstrosities, these chimera. Like, well, we could have steel or we could just create these things that are able to make like bone plating that is stronger than steel or more resistant or heals itself or something like that. And I wanted to apply that to anywhere. So there's no such thing as a wrench anymore. It is like literally made out of like a a crab claw or it's like there's no guns anymore. It's a weird animal that shoots stingers or like teeth or something like that. And that's what I was really interested in kind of getting at. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I didn't want to take it into the superhero realm of Bioshock where it's like, oh, Mm. I'm a human and I can shoot laser beams or I can shoot. um, It's not laser beam. It's telekinesis fire powers electric powers and stuff so i want to be like okay how can i make it so it's still splicing but the splicing isn't necessarily human you know so are you saying um that their technology is like literally makes use of the um chimeras themselves exactly yeah okay and and when when daniel said that they were changed i'm like oh that might work out for me where like Okay, in order for you to use some of this tech, maybe it requires more than just picking it up and shooting it like a gun. Maybe it's like you have to partially fuse or meld with yeah. it. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, for example, like if Daniel is talking about changed humans, like maybe they're trying to turn themselves into like war machines or like juggernauts. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have like a lion like claw or like a big turtle shell or something like that to make you it, like you you look barely human underneath all of this armor and like kind of bio fused in biotech chimera parts. But that's kind of what I have in mind when Daniel is saying, you know, like changed human essentially. So, so was Courtney then saying that there's also the added factor that they, um, the chimeras are so bizarre too, that they're consumed and they're grown mm-hmm. also to be consumed. Is that what you're saying? I mean, that, that that's really close to what I had in mind. Like that some of these entities are like grown to be a plunger grown to be a sword, you know, like something like that. So they're not, they're not even given the opportunity to be animal, but. But I was asking her though, is, is consumption an important part of yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Mine was based around uh, consumption because if we're dealing with something that's at the bottom of the ocean, that's going to be really difficult to make use of like conventional food sources. So I think that mm-hmm. they've created these really like even more warped than what I envision the chimera creatures as like slabs of, of flesh that are grown in garden esque settings or. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Or like plants that like produce ridiculous numbers of fruits or seeds or whatever. Something that would be far beyond what you would see on the surface of the earth. All right. Let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and appreciate the imagery that Courtney just evoked with flesh gardens. (laughs) Yes. yes. I really (laughs) didn't want to let that slip by. I wanted to to highlight it, circle it, underline it, embolden it, whatever we need to do, because that's absolutely awful and uh i hate you so thank you mm, yeah 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 
Oh, it seems like um what you're pointing to is like having a, a larger focus in your tenant on the consumption aspect and then mm-hmm. we have an overarching tenant that like the animals are a form of technology and they're fundamentally transformed and also like they're also mm-hmm. part of basic tools too like that's how much this genetic engineering has gone right i i was really interested in the idea that all technology is based in bone blood and sinew biology exactly yeah, which is kind yeah. of cool yeah. Yeah, because yeah. if we're going biopunk, then I want to go full biopunk with this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think we've ever done something that has been so grotesque in bio. I know that we've done some biopunk stuff before, but like this is the first time where I'm like, I want tech to be biologic in nature. You know, I think there's also something interesting it says about the setting. Like perhaps there's a reason. I mean, obviously we know something wonky is going on because they're doing this crazy genetic engineering. But I wonder if it speaks to their location that they went that route, mm-hmm. like. You know, you can't get the access to the same resources at the bottom of the ocean yeah, than say yeah. you could not. So perhaps using their own bodies as an extension mm. um, and the mm-hmm. bodies of these animals was a way to do that. Yeah. And um, I was thinking like maybe that is sort of the reason why these survivors of the of whatever disaster you brought up, are they the more warped ones because they had like bodies that were able to withstand whatever happened? Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, so you're suggesting that they become warped because they're more what what are you trying to say there, Courtney? Like I, I think I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, like they were the ones that had been more heavily modified to be like stronger, faster, to have greater lung capacity, what have you. Mm. And because of that reason, whatever happened killed off the ones that were less modified. So the remnants are the ones that are like less recognizable as humans at this point. Less modified or less recognizable or more modified or less recognizable. Yes. yes yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I like <laughs> barely understand what you're trying to say. There. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that sounds dope. And that's exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. Where it's like, as a regular human, you walk onto this underwater city, you pick up a squid gun and you're able to shoot like beaks or like, sprays of ink or caustic Mm. acid or something like that right okay you've still got this thing that's like essentially tentacles wrapped around your hand Mm -hmm. but then the more you go on the basically if you're if you're a traditional DD adventurer in this type of city and you're walking around and you're picking up armor and like eventually once you hit level 20 you're going to look like an absolute genetic freak beast Mm -hmm. that is unrecognizable as human anymore and if we wanted to play into the punk or the cyberpunk aspect where you lose your humanity, the more technology you use, you know, kind of like Adam Smasher or, you know, where you you basically stop caring about being a human because the human is the thing that pilots the meat exosuit that you wear. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the kind of thing that I think would be kind of interesting to work on. Mm-hmm. Meat exosuit is a very vivid yeah. image that I really like. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to go back to the question about the disaster, I have a feeling that the state of this society was to, to move so drastically into bioengineering, probably the disaster precipitated that. One of the reasons why I think that is because he mentions Decopunk as well. Yep. And from what I've read about that, the art movement has something to do with um, creating efficiency in art itself. And so I wonder, you know, 
could it be a response to a disaster that those efficiencies came into play and then of course bled into the culture and maybe part of achieving that is through bioengineering what would that look like to you um well the art movement suggests like kind of austerity so like mm-hmm. the art movement suggests stuff like this perfect chrome and minimalistic features but i wonder in this setting that might be something different and it might have something to do with the body and streamlining our biology maybe because that's the thing we have to rely on so removed from resources in the surface what if the city itself has over time become flesh like yes that's kind of what i was hoping yeah, yeah. like you'd you'd open it up yes. and it's basically like you cannot tell where metal once was, you know? Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Or like yeah, as, you, as you get closer to maybe even whatever caused this disaster, it like gets oh, like more yeah. like a living thing. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm yes. cool with that. Oh, you realize those aren't holes. Those are pores. Uh, those are pores. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, think about like some of the challenges about being a city on the bottom of an ocean, right? Think about what that mm-hmm. might be. What is a big problem when when seawater specifically hits metal? You experience mm-hmm. a lot of rust. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's probably got to be like a lot of, you know, structural where you have to like reconstitute things over and over again. So I think their solution is, well, wait a minute. What if we just replace the steel with this like bio bone or this bio chitin? Because it's water resistant. It's resilient to salt water far better than steel. And that way we don't have to do any, you know, like it just like this logical conclusion, like, hey, we're just trying to survive down here at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you got a giant freak flesh beast in there, you know, like it makes sense to me if I'm looking at it, you know? Yeah. What was going to be my first tenant, I think could also help explain some of that. Then go for it. Yeah. All right. We're just skipping all over the place with these tenants today. All over. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of a multi-part tenet about where this place is. And Mm -hmm. while I was looking up stuff about the Atlantic Ocean for this prompt, I learned that the deepest part is the Puerto Rico Trench, right by the Caribbean Sea. And the deepest part of that trench is called the Milwaukee or Brownson Deep at almost 8,400 meters. And to take Kaiser's bottom of the Atlantic very literally, that's where I'd like this to be set. Okay. Just for context here, how tall is Mount Everest? Good question. It is 8,800 meters. So Okay. So we're yeah. inverting Everest here, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to use that as like a good kind of like thought to think <laughs> of when it's like, hey, as tall as the tallest mountain in the world, that's how deep below mm-hmm. the ocean we are. So, Yeah. That's horrifying. It is. Uh, it is. So <laughs> that that area, that trench is very active seismically, which to tie it in, maybe that's why part of why they, they started using the flesh is because flesh can stretch and contract and um, that oh, yeah. might alleviate any issues from, you know, having plates shifting down there. Oh. There is also a mud volcano at 7,900 meters deep. And I was thinking that like, Maybe the mud from that has drifted down over time and settled on top of the city, which could both strengthen it structurally and perhaps make it harder to travel to and from it. Yeah, because we don't really know how cut off this city is from the rest of the world yet. We're assuming Mm -hmm. that this is like this entire. Oh, well, maybe actually 
if you wanted to do it simply, you could just say that the reason that it is cut off is because one of these mud volcanoes erupted and buried mm-hmm. it in the mud. Yeah. And that, that could be the disaster that Daniel's talking about as well. That forces this kind of necessary, you know, like, okay, we have very little resources. What can we do? What can we rely upon? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that works. My second tenant addresses that yeah. specifically. <laughs> look, at that. look at this. Wow. We're making this happen. Daniel, what's your second tenant then? I mean, it doesn't give the answer, but it, my second tenant was that the city has been sealed up. So it's to separate it from civilization for many years. Oh, perfect. But that it has it has only recently been unsealed. Oh, Ooh. there we go. Again, very much like the plot of Bioshock. So, <laughs> oh, really? What <laughs> happens to unseal the city in Bioshock? Uh, a plane crash. Oh, I see. So a plane crashes over this thing, and then you're the lone survivor of that plane crash. You then enter this lighthouse, and then enter down into the city <laughs> of Rapture. Yep. It would seem that. Um, there are certain narrative inevitabilities when it comes to stories. Yes. And so, you know, having not known the plots to this game, given the same starting conditions, it's possible to arrive mm-hmm. at a similar story setup. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, if we could name this city something to do with Everest, I think that would be an interesting kind of like nod to what it means, right? So maybe call it like Olympus or Everest or under Everest or something like that. It's a very simple name. Yes, but also like Rapture is too. So something that is indicative of like humanities rising above, you know, like the basics of nature or like above nature, right? Like that's kind of what we're trying to get at with the name. The, uh, the translation of the Tibetan name for Everest is Holy Mother. Oh, Ooh. God, that's awful. I hate that so much. I love it. No. Love it. Because, okay. All right. All right. Into the Womb of the Holy Mother is like mm. the title of this episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's essentially what we're doing here. <laughs> Fucked up. Uh, oh, uh, wait, is that how the like flesh human creatures are formed? They like go into some vat and like are birthed again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. What else would it be? <laughs> you guys. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it's, it, it, we talking about the, the source of the disaster. I think it would be interesting if uh, part of the, the goal of being in the story, whether it's, it's a story to be told as a novel or a game is, coming to terms with why this is here mm-hmm. and, and how mm-hmm. it came to be ruined. And that might be fun for a game master to determine as the starting conditions for their game, like when they run this or for the storyteller to figure out, because you, if you're thinking of like any, like even, I guess like the basis of Bioshock based on what you described, like you're discovering what this is and you're kind of wandering into it. And that's part of the horror of it. And then possibly finding these gangs of mutated uh chimera humans you know <laughs> in bioshock they're called splicers so oh okay. yeah but i think that the splicers that are in bioshock they're more like humans with guns that are like have yeah. gone crazy due to drug abuse uh-huh. whereas like the chimera folk that i'm thinking of are like it's like literal beasts literal, <laughs> yeah like they are literal monsters so like it, it is very different from what i had in mind Mm-hmm. I think that's more interesting too with them being literal beast monsters because you might have different states of of mutation beast, yeah, and yeah, yeah yeah like you could have like people who are relatively 
human but psychotic versus like you know horrible mm-hmm. monsters and i wonder too if you flip the tables like people are seem to be more worried about the psychotic monsters out there but actually maybe they're more reasonable than the actual psychopaths you know, right. who are not fully monsters i, I think that i think that mm-hmm. um having a stereotype or an assumption that the giant mm-hmm. freak beast mutants are going to be like the unreasonable yeah. ones is a fun way to kind of be like mm-hmm. it, like one of them is just like have you seen the rest of the things that are out there like i have to be this way you mm-hmm. know like and then yeah. on the opposite side you know like maybe a human who just has like a squid gun and like a turtle shield you know they're like i'm pure and i'm going to burn all the monsters you know like mm-hmm. that kind of incredibly horrible mindset you know you can have you can have a little bit of fun with both why not right yeah well, we've slapdashedly kind of gone all the way around and figured out all of our tenets now at this point, correct? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. All right, great. Do we have any lingering questions that need to be answered about the world? It would seem the parameters of the setting really is obviously, obviously the prompt specifies the, the city itself, but we're not concerned with the outside world at all, right? I'm not terribly concerned with the outside world at all. Mm-hmm. However... If we're sticking to kind of like the prompt that is, it's the Atlantic Ocean. It is not as though we're like the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. So we have mm-hmm. to imagine that this is our world that we're dealing with, that this is Earth in some way, an alt-Earth that allows for biomutation and uh, splicing to exist. So I, right. I would like to keep that in mind, and I would like to kind of adhere to that in a stricter sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that case plays out of the Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I I wanted to make that clear. Yeah. And my spot is a specific spot in the ocean too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, I was originally going to ask like what time period is this, but I also, I almost feel like it doesn't matter at this point if they've been shut off from the world. Like right. maybe they did kind of get split apart from the surface in that art deco period, like mm-hmm. 20s-ish. And who knows how far into the future they've gone. At this right. Point. I will say, though, that um, I, I like that's true, but um, I will say that part of my second tenant is that it's been recently unsealed, right. which suggests people from outside coming in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. while obviously we don't want to deal with the rest of the world at large, we might have to have some assumption as to what's going on out there in order to define the people coming in. And how many people is that that you're, you had in mind, Daniel? Is it like they're trying to reconnect with the surface world? Like, what, do you, what did you have in mind? My vision was like small number of people, like a tiny group for some reason. Mm. So can we say that it's like maybe a, a scientist crew or like, may- oh, mm-hmm. oh, maybe they're archaeologists trying to find the lost city underneath the Atlantic. Or yeah, like, like some unwitting, <laughs> some some poor dummies. It's, uh, no, it's it's James Cameron doing some. <gasps> oh, that's so dumb. I love it. Oh, my God. Some unwitting dummies who are going to be eviscerated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't care what we do. One of those guys, because we're talking the 90s at this point, one of the people who enter into that subsidy, who who enter once more into the womb of the Holy Mother is wearing a Bart Simpson T-shirt that is canon. I'm making sure that that is absolutely going to be a thing in this setting. God damn it. Okay. One of the first people back wearing a Bart Simpson T-shirt. I like the idea of 
this could have been opened into any time period, like depending on how you want to like set it up. Mm -hmm. So you could literally have like, for example, your 90s crew, you could have a film crew, you could have archaeologists coming 30 years after. So what is that like the 50s, right? Like, it all depends on when you want to open it. Mm -hmm. So it gives it a lot of replayability, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So the initial disaster was this mud slide, right? Like mud volcano, correct? Or some, I mean, I'm not as excited about a mudslide. I like that as an option. Like, I think that can definitely work and we can just run with that as a placeholder, right? Because I think you could switch it up depending on how you want to set it up. We just need something to destabilize it. That's really it. Yeah, maybe the mud was just like what sealed it off, but the disaster itself was something different. Oh, that I'm I like that. It. Yeah, because because yeah, I feel I like, like if we have mud volcanoes, like, and we don't use them to seal off the city, then, like, <laughs> yeah, I guess they'll stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's like layers of it being removed. The disaster kind of fucks up the city internally, and then this external disaster happens that covers up just the problem. You know, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Or the yeah, 100%. even where the mud covers it up, and then due to desperation, some other disaster takes place. Oh yes, that's good too. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lack of humans, like maybe there's some answer to why there's a lack of humans in that disaster. I mean, you mean in the sense that they're transformed? No, I mean, like maybe the disaster is what caused the lack of humans is what I'm suggesting. Right. right yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Why did that happen? Like, those are questions that I think mm-hmm. we should probably try and answer. Right. Because we have this, the conceit that is the disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. I think actually w- what I would like to do is to name the disaster or at least figure out what kind of disaster it is, you know, because if the mud volcano is what sealed it, then there's a disaster that happened beforehand that precipitated its fall. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the idea of there being two things, one that's kind of an internal breakdown and then two is yeah. a, a final event to fuck things up, right. you know, permanently fucked up or vice versa. Like you said, Courtney. I'm assuming that if I spoil Bioshock for you, none of you will be disappointed, right? Okay. Okay. So, so I I just want to throw this out there so we can see where the parallels lie and then like see where we can deviate. Right. So effectively what happens is that in Bioshock, there is this thing called Adam, which is like a a tonic that is highly addictive that people can Mm -hmm. jam into their systems and gain superpowers. Right. So you can gain telekinesis, the ability to shoot lightning, You can grow a hive of bees in your arm and shoot them at people, stuff like that, right? People become addicted to Adam, and this essentially creates this market of addiction and stuff like that. And then there is disenfranchisement among working class people. And then this really scummy person comes in, creates a secondary market of knockoff Adam, and then causes this civil war between these two capitalist organizations. And then the civil war decimates the population and seals off the city from the rest of the world. So with that being said, what parallels do we want to draw and where do we want to deviate? Or do we want to do hard one and hard the other? What do y'all think? Hmm. Yeah, my first instinct when we started talking about what this disaster could be other than the mudslide was some sort of civil mini war within this place but i almost want to like find something else that hasn't been done before yeah i agree with you that was also exactly what i was thinking so i guess it also points to the idea of there being certain like uh, narrative conclusions you draw that everyone kind of goes to because it makes sense right Mm -hmm. like innately i think 
something is attractive about the idea of deco punk initially being utopian, even though it's based on a sort of austerity, which typically stems from something dystopian. I think it would have been interesting if this place was utopic at some point Mm -hmm. and it had a breakdown. Like it actually started out good and there were correct intentions and the efficiency of the body was something to be achieved. Like maybe this was a project under the ocean that didn't go right. Like in Bioshock. So it's a utopia there initially. Exactly right. Yes. (laughs) It's marketed as a as a utopia. Yeah. So then now what I would say is that it didn't fail because it, it failed as a project. I think that would be what I would propose. Like it didn't fail because the idea was wrong or perverted. Something happened to it that made it fail. Oh, okay. Because usually the, the move typically is, oh, utopias are inherently unstable and impossible to achieve, so therefore they always break down. Well, fuck you. Let's say <laughs> it did work and it was good and okay. stable and something broke it. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, ev- what eventually makes Rapture crumble is the hubris that is man, obviously, mm-hmm. and a essentially like a hyper capitalist, hyper uh, what's what's it called? Ob- objectivist mm-hmm. style of political system. Like objectivism being like the ultimate selfishness as a philosophy. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, so so let's instead say like, yeah, no, we actually did create a utopia and just gets fucked up by the outside world. What happened with the outside world? Was it like a nuclear bomb testing that suddenly causes some kind of like mm-hmm. rupture or something? Actually, oh. that's kind of interesting, right? Because interesting. Yeah. yeah. You can actually then. Oh, wait. tie it to history. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, I feel yeah. like that might be it might be really good for Kaiser because then we're tying it to a historical event, which is part of like, I'm sure his inspiration. Right. You know, um, what if it's like something to do with uh, radioactive fallout from a nuclear test, like oh. falling into the ocean and mutating the city itself? Yes. Wait. OK. Yeah, because it's all fleshy at that point. anyway. Right. But, but remember the way that we treat mutation is like through yeah. teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah. and like how actual huh. mutation tends to manifest is through uh something else you know like it, it's it's far more benign or, or through, not benign but you're dying basically yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well we can we can we can assume that there were things that happened in history from a fantasy perspective especially a lot of conspiracy sort of things okay. that happened like whether they were nuclear testing or weird stuff like i'm thinking like mk ultra and all that weird stuff that yep. we assume mm-hmm part of our history and it's kind of conspiracy lore stuff mm-hmm. perhaps there was something we can point to that's interesting and that's in the time period near and surrounding it that happened that then bleached over into this project okay i have some ideas because you've said mk ultra and that's literally my uh, <laughs> my awakening phrase so um <laughs> so here's here's what we can do the government because remember, if, if we're talking 50s, this is after Operation Paperclip, when we start working with Nazis, when we start having there you go, um, when we start <laughs> having like black sites filled with torture and violence and mm-hmm. we're no longer like the good guys of the world. Right. Like, yes. we're demonstrably just like not good government folk anymore. So if this is the 1950s when all of a sudden paranoia starts to ramp up when the government is essentially saying we need someone on the inside of this underwater city. MK mm-hmm. Ultra agent awakens underneath the water. Like, come on. How is that not like the easiest thing in the world to do when you need mm-hmm. a spy? You need a government spy underneath. And then all of a sudden, maybe something happens where <gasps> communism can't be tolerated, just like you're suggesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There. <laughs> this is like, this is a fucking communist utopia. We can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to short circuit you, but like that's <laughs> no. immediately where you got me. Yeah. As soon as you said this, MK Ultra Agent Awakens, and we're now paranoid. Okay. Like, Here, here's the know? cover story, right? Here's the cover story. Uh-huh. The cover story is nuclear bomb testing. That is yes. the cover story. What yes. actually happened was the government deliberately trying to bury this city because oh, it was great. proving their ideological system incorrect or at least that inconsistent. That is fucking great. There we go. It's fucking great. Right. Now, mind you, MK Ultra and the Manchurian Candidate stuff is very much a part of the Bioshock plot. Oh, it is really? Yeah. Okay. The reason I said, would you kindly at the beginning of this episode is because you find out, you know, like you're, you're kind of pigeonholed and you're kind of like railroaded in the first half of the game. And you're like, oh, wow, this is kind of like really blatant how, you know, like I'm on rails. And then halfway through you find out that you've been brainwashed and your phrase to like control oh. you is would you kindly? So uh, when, when Andrew Ryan, the, the major villain of this whole thing says, would you kindly kill me? And then you do that. You're like, Oh shit, I have no control over my character. And it actually, it's a good Ludo narrative thing too. There's a reason that that moment is seen as like remarkable in video games and in the plot, right? Spoilers for a very old game at this point, by the way. But um, it's it's fantastic. And that moment in particular is like, oh, my God. And then they shit their pants with one of the worst later halves of a, yep. of a game ever. The <laughs> ending to that is so is so bad. The fucking ma- main villain at the very end is literally like a big blue skinned like rawr, 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 monster man. And it's <laughs> like it's terrible. It's so awful compared to like why, that first why is he a blue monster man? Because he injects himself with a bunch of the genetic mutation atom stuff so he can oh, defeat okay. you, but he becomes a big monster man, shoots lightning and fire and ice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's dumb. It's terrible and it's dumb. But like all the all the first half and all of the Andrew Ryan stuff is actually phenomenal. It's really interesting. And like you have you have to beat him to death with a putter in his office. <laughs> And it's like this really like you have to continually click the prompt to do so. And it's like, oh, this is awful and horrible and really interesting. But OK, rant over, rant over. But yes, all of that stuff that we said happens because, of course, it did because the government tried to cover it up. And so now, years later, they're like, oh, we're going to try and uncover the underwater communist utopia or something else happened there, too. Right. Well, actually, no. That's what happened. Like, oh, is a failed communist experiment that got buried when this disaster happened, right? So to clarify, um, this MK Ultra esque agent goes, and do they cause some sort of civil disruption in the community, or are they behind the like mudslide that buries it, or both? I'm going to say that it's a twofold thing. That when mm-hmm. the government realizes that they're no longer in control that then they bury them with a quote unquote nuclear bomb testing that just so happens to trigger a mudslide. So that's the ceiling mm. aspect. Okay. Okay. And um. there's a couple of things that we can do with the initial thing. Number one, the Manchurian candidate or the, the MK ultra agent could wake up and be like, no, everything's good down here. And then that spooks the government as a result. They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. no. they more people, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I bet he's probably doing his job to some extent. And then as he's trying to do what he's supposed to do, which is to stabilize any communist elements, right. he realizes actually this is a great thing yes. and I can't continue to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets compromised and they send people to deal with him as well as initiate 
the furring oh, yeah. of the whole okay. supply chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that idea that the American government, like sending a strike force to do this right. thing, is the inciting incident. That's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I find yeah. that to be yeah. really intriguing. I like that. Because then you'll find his like if you're playing this, you can find his logs as a player mm-hmm. and yeah. learn yeah. about what the society was, and that even this person realized it was a good thing and what they were accomplishing was incredible. And that we fucked it up on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited about that. And then of course you have giant chimera monster beast men, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean that happens. Right? Yeah, it just yeah, happens. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally, and you have like the flesh city itself. That's yeah still there yep 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 yep. i could see oh my god going back to your fields of flesh for harvesting food (laughs) i could imagine like daniel yeah gardens flesh gardens like in the in the in the utopic times like it was like a nice you know vat of flesh that was still kind of horrifying but it was used for food Uh like it was used for food and Mm. we looked at it as like a resource blah 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 it was good but then after the disaster, it kind of spilled over mm-hmm. and started oh, yeah. connecting yeah. things. Yeah. And now the food and the people kind of got mixed up. And that's where things got fucked up. Yeah, I yeah. like the idea <laughs> that it started out as like, no, this looks like food and is edible. And then like because uh-huh. of the disaster, it like I just imagined like, okay, in all of the 80s and 90s things that have like nuclear waste accidents, it's literally just like a spills <laughs> yeah. over. And, like, mm-hmm. that's it, but instead of like nuclear waste, it's like genetic material and it's like yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. You God. did it. You did. Like, why is this floor so slippery? What kind of marble <laughs> is this? And then it's like the little holes are dilating on it. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. Horrifying. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm like so grossed out right now. I'm like, okay we've answered some questions we've answered some very important questions so let's go back and recap so we can roll our twist and then see how weirder this gets so uh daniel you started us off as per usual so why don't you tell us what your tenant was um city face a terrible disaster the denizens are few in number and transform and life there is dangerous okay we have certainly satisfied those tenants. yes, in my yes mind. Yeah. I, I think so <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. all right courtney oh well no i i think i went second so there are no animals there are no regular animals in this city anymore there are just chimera we've definitely satisfied that like we've got <laughs> lots yeah. of genetic material courtney what was your first tenant that tied in with yours that genetic modification is necessary for the survival of the people there in terms of like food source because you can't really have you know a typical farm down at the bottom of the ocean so they created these uh flesh gardens that we discussed or basically mounds (laughs) of mounds of uh material protein and fat that you can consume yeah i I feel like that's been satisfied (laughs) as well yeah God, you know, you know when you cook like something that has like brown beef on a pan and like leaves the white fatty residue, yeah, or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. Like, oh god, could you imagine like gallons of hundreds of thousands of gallons of that crap? Oh god, I'm sure it would be delicious with some salt and pepper. Oh wait, Daniel, aren't you the one who's always on about like if I could only nutrient paste, I would. This is your well, utopia, yeah. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Your, your entire it, environment is made out of nutrient paste. You don't have to worry about food. There's ever a difference again. between there's a difference between nutrient paste, which yes, I am 100 percent behind, and a vat of literal fat. That is not oh, nutrient it's paste. Nutrient fat. Ooh, whatever. Yeah. No, okay, we're yeah. talking about out of control vats of fat, not carefully produced, <laughs> balanced meals, which is what soil and what if is. what if we we said like that the flesh gardens are high highly nutritious are you suddenly down for them 
Um, not that they become flesh gardens that are stretching across things and doing what they like. My nutrient paste sits in a cup and I consume it. I don't think that there's a huge distinction between your food being out of control and doing what it's supposed to do. No, but imagine you're you're in this underwater city that's been, you know, overtaken by flesh and and anti-communist elements and you you can just be wandering along reach out to the wall grab a hunk of of meat flesh and there's your lunch you don't have to expend any energy you just it's a mix of every nutrition like it's macro friendly daniel yes there's a reason why civilization has a definition (laughs) Uh that definition Uh demarcates the natural world from the unnatural world or Uh if it's going to be both unnatural on both sides Mm -hmm. there's a reason why we have containers for things (laughs) and i mean that both metaphorically and not metaphorically daniel's all for nutrient paste until it's staring him in the face and then he's like ah food's okay until it takes control absolutely (laughs) it's not in control what are you talking about it's taking over the city no, it is. It is kind of. It is kind of all over the place and has become yeah. the architecture. Okay. It's not. It's not in control, though. It's I want taken to over sure. people too. No, wait, 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 wait. How is it? Con- Hold on. That's an important. So you're telling me that a pile of flesh that has now spread to integrate itself and to replace metal is not now in control of the situation. I, I haven't said anything about it taking control over people, though. That's what I want to make sure that we're clear about. People are plugging it into themselves. Yeah, which because essentially. This technology erases erases their humanity which no, is a form of losing not, control that's not we literally true. said that in the very beginning only only if you well i said it was a possibility to mimic something like cyber psychosis and cyberpunk 2077 that's what i said we basically said that length that <laughs> integrating this flesh technology into our bodies has made us less human hence the chimera people <laughs> what about if we had the uh the actual plant part of the gardens i had talked about like rapidly producing fruits and seeds what if like yeah. inside of those fruits was like a nutrient paste oh, is that i'm totally okay with that okay. like the the pre-disaster state <laughs> yeah. of the utopia yeah. with the flesh lake i am on board <laughs> with that i have i will happily take my my what do you call it what's a spoon that's very curved I would happily dip that spoon like into a, the flesh a ladle. Oh, your ladle. You a need ladle, a ladle. Yeah. Right. I would I would happily take my ladle and dip it into the flesh lick and sup from that. Because it's in a it's in a vat. Uh-huh. It's well contained. Uh-huh. Everything is neat and appropriate as you do in civilization. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So if it has if it has ladles, then Daniel's in. <laughs> well, okay. Courtney and Rob, yeah. you don't walk down the street and put your hands into the asphalt and grab chicken nuggets out of it and shove it in your mouth. But how cool I don't would that you be that. if you could though? I'd be, I'd be no one would be that. okay with that. <laughs> what? Wait, what do you mean? Why not? No one wants to dig their hands into like muck and pluck out food and put it on their faces we are human beings that live in civilization but what happens if our technology allows us to be like oh i'm gonna rip a door off eat it and then it's going to regrow a door it's in not my even house. sanitary we wouldn't no, do but that. it would be because it's we, we've attuned our gut flora to be able to consume it you guys are positing a reality that we don't live in that has principles that are not defined. Yes, that's so correct. in that situation, that I can't making. even. Yeah. No, no, because in the world we're making, we've made two worlds. We had a pre-utopia state and a post. And we've established that the post-utopia state is less than human. 
<laughs> so clearly I would not want to right, live Daniel, in that world. It's that's more, the point it's of more the than human. And that's why it's better. That's why, <laughs> that's why you're a coward who won't eat a door. That's, that's why. No, I have often had these arguments, especially with foodies about this stuff. And that's why I take a hard stance. If they want to argue about it, then we've got to argue about it. Honestly. Well, see, that's not what I'm interested in doing, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can we can we continue our tenants? No, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> oh man. All right, fine. Uh Daniel, I think we're back onto your second tenant anyway, which was that the city has been sealed up, separate from civilization, and it's only recently been unsealed. Enter the womb of the Holy Mother. Check and check. We've done that. We've even come up with a reason as to why that's happened. So yeah, I think that's well satisfied. What do you think? Nope, I think that makes mm-hmm. sense. All right, cool. Um, my second tenet was every bit of technology is made out of sinew bone and either living or unliving animal or chimera bits. So uh, again, we've we've went full biopunk. I'm very happy with that. Like, no problems here. Definitely. And uh, Courtney, your final tenet? Yeah, mine was that this is at the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean, which is the Puerto right. Rico Trench, uh, right by the Caribbean Sea. And... It's almost as deep as Mount Everest is tall, and it's a very seismically active area. And also, there are there's at least one mud volcano down there, which we yep. established had been why it sealed up. And right. with the seismic activity, we also talked about how the flesh uh, architecture is a way to deal <laughs> with that because it can expand yes. and contract. Yes. All right. We, we've we've done the recap. I'm very excited about this one. So let's go ahead and roll for the twist to see how this all works out. All right, and our twist this time is the pet cat is the true head of the whatever. Huh. Okay, hmm. again, we can interpret this loosely, but uh, oh boy, I think this is an appropriate thing for the thing that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could work. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I, I think that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Oh boy. I think the last time we had that twist was back in like the uh, Land of a Thousand Tracks, the Ride the Lightning Train setting. Yeah, it, it, I think it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. very oh, really? long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is a, wait, which is a Kaiser prompt as well, if you'll remember. Yeah. Kaiser, you have, <laughs> a, you have a predilection for this twist. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, well, with all of that said, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, click the link, follow the instructions in within a reasonable amount of time. We'll be building your world. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and chat with us about Bioshock spoilers or anything else in particular, you can go ahead and find that link for the episode description or on our website as well. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon where you can give us money get all sorts of goodies and help, you know, help have us continue to make the show. It's cool. With all that said, that's going to do it for this episode of world build with us. And remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week. 